Hello and welcome to Publishing Insight, an interview podcast about working in publishing. Welcome to episode 8 of Publishing Insight. I'm Flavia, your host, and in this episode I am talking about audio publishing with Louise Newton, audio editor for Little Brown Book Group and London Chair of the Society of Young Publishers in 2017. Louise has told me about her route into audio publishing and what she loves the most about her job. She has precious advice on how to be heard and be seen when trying to get into publishing and explains why it is important to create a little section for your personal interests in your CV and highlight also the work experience you have done in other industries. Happy listening and for any comments or feedback, you can write me an email or find me on Twitter at flamflam91, flam91. If you are enjoying listening to Publishing Insight, please subscribe and leave a review. to a new episode of Publishing Insight. In this episode, I talk about audio publishing with Louise Newton, audio editor for Little Brown Book Group. Thank you for joining me in this episode of Publishing Insight, Louise. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. And I will start with my first question. What has been your academic and career path so far? Yeah, so I wanted to get into publishing from the age of 16 and I studied English at Leeds University and it was while I was at university that I did my first ever work experience placement for Penguin. And then over the course of three years of university, I did lots more placements at Penguin. This was before Penguin became Penguin Random House. And so I did that amounting to probably nearly 10 placements over that time. And I also did some work experience in another small publishing house as well. And at the end of those three years, I became an editorial assistant for two years, and which was really enjoyable. I loved it. Uh, and then I saw an audio assistant job that came up from Little Brown, and that was it for me. And so I did uh, two years as an audio assistant at Little Brown, and I'm still at Little Brown now, and I'm an audio editor, and I love the world of audio. absolutely love it. Perfect. Thank you. And how did you fall in love with audio publishing and what makes you so passionate about it? So the interesting thing for me with audio publishing is that I've always loved audio books, but never for, for so many years didn't think of it as a career because I've just never seen an audio assistant job advertised anywhere. Uh, at my last job as an editorial assistant, I had to create podcasts and go along to recordings as part of the educational, the ELT uh, publishing arm for the business. So I'd go along to recordings where they were recording English, English study guides for students in Egypt to learn how to say, my name is Sarah, or my name is, or, or, or whatever. And so I'd go along to those recording sessions. And so I always had a kind of an interest in it. And I did 
student radio as well. Uh, and then I saw this job advertised at Little Brown uh, just over two years ago now for an audio assistant role. And and that was kind of it for me. I saw that and just felt that the job description was perfect for me. I love having variety. That's always been my thing, really. Uh, and starting out a, a career in publishing, that was always in the back of my mind. I wanted that variety. My audio publisher, Sarah Shrub, who I learned, who I've been learning under, she's one of the best in the industry. And, and that's been a real career highlight for me, actually learning from her. And it's just brilliant working in an industry like audio publishing, where there's so much that's still in a state of flux. There's so much that's changing. And I love waking up each day and not knowing what the day will bring. It's great. I love it. Uh, in 2017... You were London Chair of the Society of Young Publishers and this year you were shortlisted for the Trailblazer Awards at the London Book Fair. What have these experiences given you? The SYP, I think, has given me so much. I joined the SYP when I was at university as a member uh, and it was actually when I moved to London after university that I really felt that I, I took advantage of everything that a membership with the SYP holds. Uh, I was able to go to events and meet so many people in the same position as me trying to get in, into publishing. I then joined the committee and I was on the SYP committee for three years, firstly as an events coordinator and then in my final year as London chair. And it really helped, really does help you grow as a publisher, either being on the committee or just being part of that membership because I felt my confidence was growing. Uh, definitely when you become London chair as well, there's a lot of public speaking. And it, it, it just really, I think it's made me a better publisher because I think it's so important to always be keeping conversations going with other sectors and people in different roles. And the Trailblazers was a really lovely acknowledgement and it was the most special part of that evening was two of my friends ended up uh, winning uh, on the Trailblazers, both from SYP days, and ended up making friends that night as well. So it's just, I think... The thing that you always hear when you get into publishing is how sociable an industry it is. And it's true, it is sociable. But sometimes when you're on the outside looking in, it can also feel quite ex like almost an exclusive party where everyone knows each other and you don't know anyone. And that can be really daunting. But if you go to events like the SYP, it makes such a difference. Perfect. And uh, what are the main tasks and responsibility of an audio editor? So audio editor as a role is still very new. Uh, so the important thing I think to remember is that from publisher to publisher, an audio editor may mean something else at a different publishing house. But for me, it means that I work across all the imprints at Little Brown, across both fiction and non-fiction, which again, great for variety because you can be working on sci-fi one day, romance next, and then you can be working on business book or in my case working on fire and fury and you know get annoying trump for a day so it's it keeps you it does keep you very varied um but also you work closely with studios in order to get the right voice for the audio book you part of my job as well is delivering the audio book to retailers making sure they get there on time you publish the audio book generally uh, sort of alongside the other format so uh, alongside the public of the ebook and the physical book as well and it's it's nice working with the different departments and also working with marketing as well or in order to 
make the the most of all of the formats and and yeah and it's and it's just a really it's it's great if you love if you love juggling lots of different things at once it's a really good job for you uh definitely having a keen eye for detail i would say is a must um but yeah it's 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 great working on so many different books all from different different backgrounds different genres uh we've recently had dialogue books which uh charmaine lovegrove is heading up and working on those for audio has been really exciting and it's it's actually been really rewarding casting those audio books i'm working with such a diverse range of voices so yeah so it's great basically yeah and well how does this role differ from the figure of the traditional editor and what are the similarities instead uh, well, I found because of the fact I was an editorial assistant for a couple of years before, there are some similarities. I imagine when you get more senior in editorial, then you would notice quite big differences. Uh, I mean, there's a certain skill set of an editorial assistant, again, of having that eye for detail and, and being able to juggle lots of deadlines. I think that carries across. In terms of proofreading and copy editing, We generally don't do that. Again, it may vary with another publishing house, but when I receive uh, a pr- when I receive a manuscript for casting, it tends to be at proof stage. So there's already been some work that's gone into it and some more work to follow. And then when we cast the audio book and we have the actors set up in the studio, that's when we send across the final manuscript so they're able to perform and prepare from the absolute final text. Uh, so in that sense, we are at the tail end of things, and also that's why there are so many deadlines because an author can be running very late with their proofread text, or they could be running very late with their actual book, and that can have uh, an impact on us quite significantly. Um, but yeah, but the, the, the fun part is as well that we are involved in acquisitions and we do read proposals as well. So. so We are involved at the beginning bit of the process too, and at my department, the audio department is based in editorial, so you always feel involved, even though the actual kind of project management tends to happen at the end of the process. Uh, But when I joined Little Brown uh, over two years ago now, I was given a very wide job brief uh, as an audio assistant, because I think it was a very new role to the industry, and in that time, I've developed that role and, and, and it's been able to grow and expand. It's, it's, it's very unusual for uh, compared to traditional publishing that has quite uh, set, set, set ways of what the role is because we're still adapting to how the audio market's performing and, uh, and that's what makes it really exciting. But yeah, it's, there's a lot to it, definitely, yeah. And um, the use of audiobooks in the UK has definitely increased exponentially in recent years. In your opinion, what are the push factors of this growth and what are the most important trends and genre in audio publishing now? I think digital advancements have had the biggest impact on audio publishing. The fact that you can now listen to an audiobook on your iPhone, on the tube, just, just wasn't even possibility 20 years ago audiobooks have been around for a while but if you speak to you know a lot of people who listened to audiobooks growing up it would have been on cassette from the library uh, and there's also opportunities in virtual reality i think as virtual reality develops 
Uh, I think there are opportunities we will do with that as well. Uh, and podcasts actually are hugely incre uh, encouraging audiobook listeners. At the Quantum Conference earlier this year, uh, the Audio Publishers Association found that this is based on US statistics, but podcast listeners listened to twice the number of audiobooks in 2017. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a link there between that kind of accessibility of being able to listen to a, a lot of podcast listeners seem to be basically coming to audiobooks. So that kind of stuff is really exciting. And I think for I think for people in audio publishing, that's something that's you know definitely being watched. Uh, and you know, thrillers and sci-fi, they're still very popular genres in audio, but we are seeing growth in other areas too. So it's kind of I think it's really the the more the accessibility grows, I think the more that readers and also new readers, people who maybe don't always buy physical books, will come to audio. I think as that accessibility and word of mouth continues, I think we'll, yeah, I think we'll be seeing some really interesting development. Yeah, definitely. And um, this year's Love Audio Week, that was from the 11th to the 17th of June, has recently ended. Can you tell us about this campaign and why it is so important? Yeah, so the Love Audio Week, that's uh, so it was a publishers, uh, so it was a publishers association initiative. And really, it was a great way of getting word of mouth out of there about audio. So lots and lots of different publishers came together from Hachette to Penguin Random House, HarperCollins, Faber, Canongate, uh, the list goes on basically. So all these uh, different publishers coming together for celebrate audiobooks. And we basically wanted to be able to reach consumers through competitions, through authors' channels, uh, so authors talking about their audiobooks and their experiences with audio, and through the actors as well, actually. I think in some instances, we did have actors sort of pushing that through. And it was just basically a celebration of the format, and and it worked really well as a campaign. Uh, lots of different publishers reached their audience in different ways, which was really great to see. And we're all sort of united in that sense of aim, while kind of obviously pushing our own books as well, but all united and just being like, isn't this amazing? Isn't audio fantastic? Uh, and yeah, and it did really well as a campaign last year, um, but this year we're already seeing uh, a lot more engagement, I think. Uh, so, so far it's been really encouraging. And what advice would you give to people who are applying for entry-level jobs in publishing on how to get noticed and succeed? I think the two biggest, there's a few, I was thinking about this, there are a few different factors. I think the main two things are being heard and being seen, uh, which probably sounds when you're on the outside of publishing trying to get in, okay, well, that's easier said than done. But in terms of being heard, I think being on Twitter now that more than ever is so important for getting into publishing because it gives you a way to reach directly to publishers uh, in a way that someone once described to me Twitter as being like a cocktail party where you can wander up to whoever you want to go and speak to and for it to just be completely comfortable. And that's exactly what Twitter is for publishing because it's such a sociable industry. Be able to tweet, for example, a book that you're reading and perhaps tagging the editor or the publicist Obviously not spamming them with tweets, but 
but doing that is kind of it's a nice indication in the industry of going oh i really i really engage with this book and i know who worked on it if you are going to use twitter i would say 100 make your profile public i rule is i don't put anything on twitter that i wouldn't be happy with my mum reading i would say that would apply here as well and in terms of being and, and also in terms of being heard you know writing blogs doing things any little thing like that over time really if you have a track record having a real engagement can really go a long way uh, and in terms of being seen going to publishing events and you know sort of picking and choosing which publishing events you want to go to as i, as I mentioned before syp are put on fantastic events and that's a great starting point if you're looking to get into the industry but also looking at the events that bookshops put on such as waterstones they often put on author events and they'll be publishing people mingling there as well so keeping an ear to the ground with all of that uh, and then in terms of work experience i this is something that someone told me when i was quite a bit of the way into doing work experience but it is such good advice is few things really first of all adapting your work experience on your cv to suit publishing because publishers know how difficult it is to get into publishing. It's, it's very much, they're very aware of how difficult it is to get in. And if you have work experience that you think, oh, it's, you know, it's not publishing work experience, but say that you work experience on a newspaper or that you did a university project that involved some sort of editorial eye or, or whatever, or if, I mean, I'm talking from an editorial perspective, but if you had to do a social media campaign or something like that that's not directly to do with publishing just use that as a as use that in your cv and in an interview as a way of showing okay i i couldn't get work experience in publishing but look this is what this is what i have learned from these experiences and also on your cv put your hinterland as well and the hinterland being if you love rock climbing having a little sentence at the bottom of your cv saying sort of personal interest love rock climbing or, or if you love Spanish cuisine or, or whatever it is, having that also makes a difference because when you're working in a big publishing house, uh, I mean, Little Brown's quite a big publishing house, sometimes an editor will email around and go, oh, we're looking at this book, you know, does anyone watch this TV show or, or have an interest in this kind of food or something like that? And publishers really appreciate feedback and having that little bit of character is good. Obviously, don't then go into detail about every TV show that you love on your CV because that's a bit expensive. And yeah, and the final thing really, uh, this is really good advice that Lena Normanton posted on her YouTube channel a while ago, but if you go through your bookshelf at home and pick out the books that you really enjoy, a lot of people just want to apply to Penguin Random House and they don't see that there are all these fantastic publishers outside of Penguin Random House, although obviously Penguin Random House are very fantastic, are fantastic too. But uh, if you look at the books that you have on your bookshelf at home, see who published them and see which imprint published them and just make stacks and see how, uh, just you'll be fine, you'll find interesting that you'll have books that don't have that penguin on the spine. You'll notice there are other books and getting to know what kinds of books that you like and which publishers publish those books will make a big difference when you're applying for jobs. Because if you apply to a job at the publisher that published books that you really enjoy, you'll have a better chance at interview because you'll be able to talk from the heart and, you know, passion sells in publishing. So I think, yeah. And also, if you ever get on a work experience placement, always ask people around you how they got into publishing because every single publisher's story is different. 
and yeah I think after that long list I think those are definitely tips that I would suggest yeah thanks a lot it's really precious advice and talking specifically about audio publishing which are the most important skills and qualities for people who aspire to work in this area so for audio publishing it's still a new area of publishing and I think people are still figuring out figuring out how yeah what what the skills are but I think to be honest I think publishing work experience in general is useful towards audio publishing because in my case even though our audio department is based in editorial you end up working with so many different departments and I think having knowledge in different areas is always going to be useful I think if you have a keen eye for detail and are able to juggle lots of different and if you're able to manage projects I think that's really important. The other thing that is useful for audio publishing is if, if you at your current job, if you're moving from a from another publishing house to audio publishing, or in fact if you are going into audio publishing for the first time, then having you can teach yourself how to make podcasts. Uh, if you go onto YouTube, you can just Google how to make podcasts, and you can make really great podcasts from just doing using GarageBand or or anything or anything that you already or Audacity, any kind of programming tool that you already may have on your laptop or Microsoft and Apple, those tools are completely free and they work just as effectively really as something that you would pay for. So teaching yourself those skills as well if you were really keen to go into audio publishing, uh, to be able to put it on your CV. So my last question what are you reading or listening to at the moment in your spare time? And what has been your favorite book of the year so far? So at the moment, I'm listening to the audiobook of The Little Stranger by Sarah Waters as the movie is coming out really soon. And I absolutely can't wait. It's a book that I've read, I have read before a few years ago and it's chilling. And I just felt that I wanted to listen to it again before I went and saw the movie um but my favorite book this year actually isn't out yet but it's coming out in september uh, and it's the book of the guilty feminist and we're going to be recording the audiobook of that really soon and it's read by deborah herself so it's very very exciting and the book is brilliant it's so it is it is amazing and it's just been such a funny and just really enlightening book to work on so yeah i think that is going to be my book of the year wow it sounds really interesting yeah it, it is it is it is hugely interesting and phoebe waller bridge if anybody watched fleabag uh she's massively behind it as well and has been praising it and yeah phoebe and deborah are like my two icons right now so it's yeah it's great perfect thank you that was my last question Thank you for your time and your insight uh, about audio publishing. And so I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate it. It was a pleasure having you on my podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, and if, uh, if anyone has any audio questions as well, uh, my Twitter handle is Newton Lou, and I'm, I've, I've been there trying to get into publishing so I feel your pain and yeah if you want to tweet anything at me then that's where I'll be perfect thank you thank you
That is all for episode 8 of Publishing Inside. I hope you have enjoyed listening to it and found it useful. If so, please subscribe and recommend it to other people you think may be interested. Have a nice day and I'll see you in the next episode.